Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. What's up? How we doing? We good? We good? You guys sound great today. You look great, and uh, I'm thankful that you're here. You've heard us mention a couple times last week and this week, fall break. I had somebody tell me beforehand, they were like, listen, I don't have kids in school. It wasn't fall break. I went back to work this week like I was at work last week. But for so many of our families that are connected, their kids are in school, their teachers or whatever, they did have a little different reality the last you know, seven to 10 days. And so I know some of you went to the beach, you went to the lake, you went just staycation at home. Uh, but we're glad that you're here today. For those that haven't made it back yet, we're glad you're online watching with us. But uh, we're just thankful that we're able to gather together. We're thankful for this opportunity to do so. So we never take it for granted when you're here and uh, when you're able to join us. It's just always Always great. If you, if you drove in today and looked at the building, you notice there's a lot of great things happening. It looks like graffiti artists like hit the front of the building. They didn't. Uh, we were painting the building. We're so thankful for that. I'm going to talk a little bit more in a few weeks, about five Sundays. We start a new series at the very beginning of November uh, where we're going to talk about legacy. We're going to talk about in that first sermon some really exciting things that are coming for our church uh, but just the painting of the building, kind of freshening some things up. You're going to start to see some changes on the sign and out in front. Uh, and so we're excited about that. Our landlord, we're renters right now. That will not always be the case. That's one of the things we'll talk about. A little foreshadowing there for those English majors. But, uh, okay, that was funny. You got to get with me today. All right, it wasn't funny. Foreshadowing's never funny. But I'm going to need you to be a little more alive and a little more active. I preach better when you talk back, okay? So I also preach shorter. So like if you don't talk back, I'll just think you're asleep and I'm just going to go as long as we need to go. All right. So help me a little bit this morning, but it's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of things that you'll start to see on the building. And so if you could, uh, as you see those things, let's celebrate those. And then in a few weeks, we'll talk about kind of some new realities that are coming our way, which we're really, really excited about. There's also a lot of great things happening. You heard in the video about the growth in G Kids and, and just you know, looking for people to sign up, be a part of that team. But next Sunday is uh, step one of Discovery Track. Uh, today's actually step three of the September edition, but next week is the beginning of the first Sunday of October, and so we've got step one. We would love for you to attend Discovery Track. If you've never been, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to get more information about our church. We answer all of those like frequently asked questions about who we are as a church, and so you get those things answered, but we also just give you an opportunity to get a sense of who we are. We, ch- we start to get to know who you are, whether it's your first time or your 10th or 15th or 20th time at the church. Uh, and then if you choose to do so at the end of step one, you can choose to become a member of our church. Uh, you don't have to do that. Uh, but then also it gives you kind of the next steps in the process, whether you become a member or not for Discovery Track. And we want you to participate. So that begins next week. You can take out your phone right now and register for that. Uh, I, won't, I won't think you're doing anything else. You can just register for Discovery Track. And, uh, and then we also, in about three weeks, so it's four Sundays if you count today, but three weeks from now, October the 16th, we begin our Fall at the Movies series. Now, if you attended here uh, in the spring, you know that we actually did at the movies in the spring this year. It's always been historically a fall ministry event for us. And so if you're not familiar with at the movies, it's where we take a couple of weeks out of our ministry calendar. We take some Sundays and we use some really great stories from Hollywood and all these other places uh, to help us to share the gospel. It, it is not uh, kind of anything other than just another unique, creative way for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the easiest series for you to invite someone to come to church with you, by far. Over the, over the course of our history, when we do at the movies, that's the three weeks in, in a row that we see the largest number of guests. And so I would encourage you to be thinking about at the movies, who you would invite to come and be with you 
beginning October the 16th. We'll have three different movies those weeks. We've got characters for the kids and popcorn and all the various things that we'll do as well. I'm not going to tell you the movies right now. One of them may include some kind of airplanes and Tom Cruise. I don't know, but just like it's really, really great three weeks uh, together. And so I want you to be thinking about that. But again, we did it in the spring. We only do it one time a year, but it fits best for us in the fall. But rather than wait 18 months to do it again, uh, we wanted to do that this fall. So we'll do that beginning October 16th. Everybody say October 16th. Everybody say at the movies. All right. So we want you to make sure you're there with us beginning October the 16th. Last week, Pastor Aaron started a two-week series on the subject of honor. And so today, I'll conclude that series as we look at a really important virtue that is missing or very misunderstood in our culture. And when we talk about honor, he challenged us last week to recognize that as Christ followers, and maybe you don't identify as a Christ follower, but for those of us that do, we are called to live differently. We are called to conduct our lives in a way that may seem countercultural, but ultimately aligns with God's word. And God's word, scripture, the Bible, talks a lot about honor. We're defining honor this way he did this last week, to value, to respect, or highly esteem something or someone, to treat as precious or weighty or valuable. And so when we talk about honor, we're saying, hey, there, there's something valuable in this person or in this item, this thing. I highly esteem that. I give honor where honor is due to this thing. And so he talked about what honor really was last week. And so today, I want to conclude this two-week look at this, this idea by talking about not what honor is, but who and how we honor. I want you to get this verse in your hearts and your minds. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this, honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. That's a, that's a challenge because we think about ourselves. We kind of focus on ourselves. We often prioritize ourselves, but really we're challenged out of this verse of scripture or a portion of this verse of scripture in Romans chapter 12 to say like, we are called to honor one another even above how much we would honor, think about, prioritize, esteem ourselves. That's a challenge for us. It is very countercultural in the day that we live in. So what I want us to do today is, is to take that thought and the definition of honor and where he set us up last week with what honor was and talk about who we honor, who we honor. The first person, the first idea here of honor is that I honor God above all else. I honor God above all else. I, I, I don't just kind of lump God in with things or people that I honor. I honor God above everything else. It's, it kind of sets the course for me in the way that I conduct my life. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 says this, So the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I promised that your family and your ancestors' family would serve me always. But now the Lord says, this must stop. I will honor those who honor me, but I will dishonor those who ignore me. Now, what is the context of this passage of Scripture? He's talking about something specific. In, in the early chapters here of the book of 1 Samuel, you have Eli, who is the, the prophet of God, the man of God that God has been using to really do amazing things in the people of Israel. He has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and these two sons are wicked, wicked sons. They do wicked things and terrible things, and even when they're confronted by their father or by other people, they don't turn from these wicked ways. And so now there is this young man who is being raised there in the presence of God. His name is Samuel, and, and we're going to read about Samuel and some of the things that Samuel does here uh, in ministry and for, for God and the people of God. But what you have is you have these like two paths that are about to intersect. 
You have the line of Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, and you have the line and the story, the narrative of Samuel. And so God, in response to these things, is actually speaking to Eli and Eli's family. And he says this, he says, I I, I know I promised your family, your ancestors, that you would serve me. But now you've chosen not to do that. And so this has to stop. I'm going to honor those who honor me, but I will dishonor those who ignore me. And as I was reading that this week, I was thinking about this idea. So often what happens is that we dishonor God, but we want God's blessings. Like we want God to do the things in our lives that we need him to do, want him to do, desire for him to do. But we don't live our lives in relationship with God. We want to chart our own course and make our own plans. And we ask God to stamp his blessings on our plans rather than saying, God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to live my life to the best of my ability, according to your word, according to your plans. And as I am living that plan, I'm asking you to bless your plans that I'm trying to live in. Does that make sense, the difference there? It's like I'm asking, God, help me to live according to your plans that you are blessing and not let me do my own thing, live my own way, make my own decisions as far apart from you as I possibly can. But God, I want your blessings. God, I want want you to do what you can do in my circumstances, in my life, through my life, but I want to kind of stay in control. And what God is saying here in response to that kind of being played out here in the early chapters of 1 Samuel, he's saying, listen, this has got to stop. I'm going to honor those who honor me, but if you ignore me, what are you expecting from me? You're ignoring me. My pastor, I'm going to talk about this in a second. I, I didn't say this in the, in the first service. My, my pastor used to describe, and, and I thought this was just so profound, and it reshaped so much about what I believe about God. But, you know, over the years, people would ask questions like, how could a loving God send people to hell? And I didn't always have an answer to that question, and I don't want to trivialize that or minimize that, and there's so much that you could kind of unpack theologically but here's the way my pastor explained it one Sunday in a sermon. I was sitting over here taking notes, and I wrote it down, and I've just kind of, it's kind of made an imprint in my heart. That God is not send, and loving God is not sending people to hell. We, those who may not choose to be in relationship with him, are choosing to live apart from him. And he's just granting us that reality for eternity. We are making that decision if we choose to live outside of relationship with him. We're making that decision for ourselves. If we dishonor God, if we ignore God, what are we expecting from God? Why would we want to spend eternity in relationship with God if we don't want to spend this life in relationship with God? And so it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to honor God. How do I honor God specifically? I honor God in worship, what we've been doing, singing. I honor God with an expectation that when I come into a moment like this, God's presence is there, and that shouldn't be something that kind of weirds me out. It's just like, hey, the presence of God is there when we gather together, and two or three gather together according to his word, like he's there in our midst, and so I have an expectation. I don't just come in out of duty or obligation. I come in with a sense of expectation about what God could do. I I honor God by having an expectation in prayer. That I'm not just praying out of ritual and routine, and I'm not just praying right before we eat, and I'm not just praying right before a test, and I'm not, no, no, there's a prayer life. I'm in relationship with God, and I'm, I'm communicating with him, and I'm listening to him and responding to him and praying scripture and, and all of the various ways so that I'm praying to a God that I know can meet me in times 
of need. I, I honor God. Corey and I do. We honor God financially with our tithes and offering. We believe in the tithe. We, we give God the first fruits. We give God the tenth. We believe in that principle from Scripture. And I know that's a heavily discussed and debated idea. But what we have found to be absolutely true, this is going to sound like the most pastor thing I've ever said to you, but I believe it with all of my heart, that we can do on the 90 more than we can do on the 100. Like if we give God 10%, if we give him the first fruits, like God has a way of blessing that in our hands because we've honored and blessed him. And it's amazing how that stretches and extends and what God blesses and God does in our lives and it's not like a name it and claim it kind of thing. It's just saying, I want to I honor God because he honors us with the things that he entrusts into our hands. And we steward that to the best of our ability. And after the tithe, the tenth, we give offerings and we look for ways to be generous because he's generous to us. It's ways that we honor God. But ultimately, here's what you need to know. If there isn't honor here with God, then none of what I'm describing makes any sense. Like if it's out of duty, out of obligation, it's because your mom or your dad or your grandparents did these things, none of what I'm describing makes sense until it's a personal decision to honor God in these ways. Worship's weird until it's personal. Prayer's weird until it's personal. Giving sounds manipulative until it's personal. Like until and unless I honor God and it's based out of my honor for and to him, none of this matters and none of it makes sense. It is a personal Decision. Here's the second thing. I honor those who hold government offices. I honor those who hold government offices. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says this. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. This is one of those places that I think we, culture, not necessarily Generations Church or even the church, but culture struggles the most. We honor our candidates when they win. We honor those we agree with. We honor those platforms that we think are right, but we dishonor often, painting with a broad brush, we dishonor those candidates we don't like, we didn't agree with, we didn't vote for, those platforms and people that stand for things that are different than what we live our lives about. And you, you can go back for decades and decades and decades and see some of this play out, but I would definitely see that it's gotten worse in the last few years. I love government. I love history. I love politics. I, I watch it. I, I participate every chance that I get. But as Jesus followers, we are called to honor those who hold government offices. There is no disclaimer here. So what was the context of the Apostle Paul writing something like this? What was the context of Jesus declaring that we give to Caesar what is Caesar? What was that context? That, that God's people were under oppression. They were living in certain respects, in kind of captivity. They were being persecuted so many different times. And if you go back through the Old Testament, you see that as well. And, and were there times that they stood up to authority? Absolutely. Are there opportunities where we can disagree? Yes, beyond any shadow of a doubt, you should disagree if something doesn't align with what you value and what you believe to be true. But you can disagree without dishonoring. I should have got an amen right there, but I'm going to let it hang. That's fine. You can disagree without dishonoring. You absolutely can. I absolutely can. And so it's like, okay, well, what if, what if there's a platform we completely disagree with? Then, then stand against it. Should I run for an office? Absolutely run for whatever office you feel like you want to run for. But even in the midst of all of these things, so much of our political systems of this day are fear-mongering. They are intent to divide. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 tells me this, that we should seek first... His kingdom and his righteousness and all the rest of this stuff 
will be added. All the rest of this stuff kind of works its way because there's only one kingdom. But in this world, while we live here, we honor the king. We honor those that are over us in authority. And so it doesn't matter if it's local, state, if it's federal. You don't have to agree. You can speak out. You can disagree. All of those things. But you don't dishonor the individual. So much of what's happened recently, and I, I, I kind of blame it. I sound like an old curmudgeon when I do that. I kind of blame it on social media and blame it on some of these other things. But we've made all of these elected officials, doesn't, Republican, Democrat, Independent, doesn't matter. We've made all of these elected officials, local, all the way up to federal. We've made them caricatures. They're not people. They're like the most extreme version of whatever platform they stand for, whatever issue. And, and we, we, we see lies and manipulation and, and who knows where the truth is at in so many of these things. But we've made them caricatures and they are not. They are individuals. They are people. And there are absolutely dishonest people that are in office and run for office. We all know that's true. But there are also really good people that just believe differently than you believe, but they're trying to do the best that they can. And so what should we do? We should pray for them. It's one of the ways that we honor them. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says this, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. It could be that the way you and I pray for those in government office, perhaps especially those that we disagree with or especially those that we didn't vote for or especially those that... It could be that that reveals more about our godliness, our character, our nature than it does anything else about them. So I'm called to honor those in government office. I'm also called to honor those who lead the church. Now, maybe this sounds very self-serving because I'm standing up here with a mic strapped to my face. But according to Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. I don't in any way mean for this to sound self-serving at all. You, you, you honor me and my family so well. But this is what scripture says. We should honor those who are over us in the Lord. I'm so thankful for the staff team, the pastoral staff, and those who serve our church. I honor them. They are faithful, godly people serving you very, very well. I'm thankful for my pastor. I honor my pastor. He's been my pastor for 15 years. Before that, I served under another pastor. I honor him. I honor my dad, who was my pastor as I was growing up over the years, and my grandparents, who were pastors. I honor my friends, who are pastors, because there is something about spiritual leadership and the weight of spiritual leadership that is hard to explain. I don't say that in any kind of woe is me mentality. I don't say that for any other reason other than to say, according to scripture, we should make sure we honor those who lead the church. And that is why, and I've said it before, and I want to say it again, you will never ever hear me speak poorly of another church or another pastor. You won't see it happen. If there's something that I have against another pastor, I'm going to go to them. If there's something that I see that's, that needs to be addressed publicly, we're going to address doctrine and theology, and we're going to address the issues at hand. But we are not going to speak poorly of another pastor or another church. It doesn't happen here. It's not, I don't believe in it. I don't think there's any good that comes from it. We honor those who, leads God, who lead God's work. And so we honor them and we, we doubly honor them. And I'm so thankful for the way that you honor me and my family. I mean that with all of my heart. You're so good and so kind and so gracious to us. Speaking of my family, I honor my wife. I honor my wife. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this. 
In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, mine is not, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, you got me on the wrong day because Corey and I went to a marriage conference this past weekend, so I'm all in my feels about marriage right now. But I honor my wife. There's a lot of relationships in my life. I've got friends, and I've got companions, and I've got acquaintances. But my wife is God's gift to me. I am God's gift to my wife. That, that's not just for us. That's for you if you are a married couple, if you desire to be married. You should view your spouse as a gift from God. And as such, you should treat them that way. The things you honor about should be filtered through honoring your spouse. Like the, the, the things that you argue and fight and fuss and the things that you're critical of and the deficiencies that you see in them, you should also recognize that you possess deficiencies and you frustrate them. And, you, and so what it means is that we should, we should look and filter all those things through and go, but I'm going to honor you. Even as we disagree, the same thing we talked about a few minutes ago, I'm going to honor my spouse. I'm going to honor my wife. It's what I'm called to do for the sake of my children for the sake of those around us, I'm going to treat my marriage in such a way that it is a gift from God to me. A few months ago, I was at an event for pastors in Orlando, Florida, and there was a pastor there. His name was Larry Stocksley. He's retired now from the, the preaching ministry of his local church. He still does missions and trains pastors, and he and his wife have been married approximately 50 years he said a few years ago he was watching television. This was not just the recent events of the last few days and weeks. This was about five years, maybe almost 10 years ago now. But he was watching television and he saw some footage of Queen Elizabeth. She was coming out of the palace and they opened the doors for her and she got into the car. They opened the doors for her. They shut the doors and someone drove her away. And he said, this may not be for you. But he says, I was watching that. He said, I believe the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart. Look to your left. So he looked to his left, and his wife was sitting on the couch next to him. And he said he felt like the Lord was prompting him with this thought. That is your queen. And Queen Elizabeth's never opened a door. She's probably never driven a car. She, all of these various things she's taken care of because she's the queen. But that's your queen. How do you treat your queen? What kind of dignity and honor do you use in your relationship with her? She's the queen of your life, your marriage, your home, your house. Like, how do you honor and treat your queen? And so, I mean, I've always tried. I have missed it a bunch, but I've always tried to open the door for my wife. Now, she can open the door for herself. A hundred million percent. She can, she can do all kinds of stuff. I remember when we first, we first got, we, we, we were just friends. We were just friends. She was just friends. I wanted to be more than friends. She was just friends. But I would carry her suitcase to the car, or I would carry a bag. She was like, I can do it. I'm like, I know you can, but I don't want you to. Not because I'm some kind of controlling, dictatorial. No, no, no. It was just a way that I could serve her and honor her. And that's what we're called to do, to honor one another, to serve one another so well. Ephesians chapter 5 speaks a little bit to the other side of this. Ephesians 5.33 says this, Husbands should love their wives, and wives should respect and honor their husbands. Wives, you have an incredible opportunity. I don't know if you know it. You have an incredible opportunity to just to speak life into your husband. 
When Corey says something like affirming and honoring and respecting, which she does a lot, but when she says something like that, I grow a little taller. I'm standing on my tiptoes right now, but I grow a little t- I'm like 6'5", six 6'6". Six six. I mean, right now I'm like 6'2", right? No, I haven't seen six foot unless I'm standing on a six foot ladder. But I mean, like I, when she says something like that, I'm like, why? It does something to me. My, my, my spine stiffens a little. I want to I live in such a way that I honor what she's honoring in me. I want to be the man that she sees me and the potential that she sees in me. Wives, you have that opportunity to speak life and to honor your husband. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says this, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Marriage is sacred. It's sacred. And the enemy would love to destroy marriages, relationships between husbands and wives because he recognized the role that that relationship plays in families and the influence that those relationships have on the lives of other people. Corey and I, the reason we were at a marriage conference yesterday, we were speaking. We recently have written a book called Your Marriage Matters. It comes out of this house. It's our story, Generations Church. Your marriage matters. Discovering what God can do with your I do. It comes out of this house. Some of the content, the information, the events that we've done over the years about marriage and marriage enrichment. And some, there's crazy stories in here and all the various things, biblical principles. But it comes out of this house. And in a few weeks, you're going to hear more about it. And we want to gift a copy to every couple in the church. It's free because it's your book. You helped write it. But we believe in marriage. And we believe in the sanctity of marriage and all that it represents and all that it is intended to be according to God's word. Your marriage matters, so we honor our spouse. But also in the family dynamic, I honor my father and mother. I honor my father and mother. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3 says this, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This is a good verse for parents to remember. You can preach this to your kids. Honor your father and mother. I got an amen over here. When I preach it to my kids, it preaches really well. You're supposed to honor me. Don't dishonor. Don't, don't dishonor your mother. Don't, no, no, no. You, you're supposed to honor your father. And your, There is no disclaimer that that ever ends. I'm, I'm, I'm grown. I'm full grown. My mom, no longer living, she passed away about 11 and a half years ago, but my dad's still living. And can I just be honest? My dad, sometimes he frustrates me. I'm being honest. If he's watching right now, Dad, you frustrate me. I'm sorry I just said that publicly. He frustrates me. But you know what? I can disagree with him but not dishonor him. I can honor who he is in my life and who he has been in my life. So many of the wise decisions I've made in life were because of his wisdom in counsel in those decisions. The caring, discerning, nurturing part of my mom helped to shape. I I honor that. And who she is, who she was in my life, I honor my father and my mother. There's no no stopping when that promise takes place, that I honor father and mother. And there's a command with a promise here that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. A couple of my kids are sitting right here. Make sure you put that into practice. But it goes both ways. I honor my children. If you keep reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I am called as a father, Corey and I are called as parents, to honor our children. One of the ways that we do that is through discipline, for sure. But we get no joy in disciplining our children. We shouldn't. No one should. Discipline is about 
bringing correction, right? But what is it? Discipline should never be about correcting bad behavior. Discipline should be about creating future right behavior. So I don't just say like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I can say that. But what I could also shape in that, and I recognize sometimes two-year-olds and three-year-olds aren't always responsive to this idea, but I am redirecting them away from things they should not do towards the things that they should do. It's not that we don't tell a lie. It's that we tell the truth. It's not that we don't come home late. It's that we keep our word. We honor the rules and guidelines of the authority figures of our lives, whether that's mom and dad or a boss or a coach. Like We, we honor those in authority over us, and they learn how to do that within the parental relationship. And so we make sure that we honor our children, and we do that through discipline. I want to create that kind of future good and right behavior. And I, I want to say to them, hey, there are some values that we hold to. We cling to these values. And in our home, there are some of those values. Some of them I'm talking about today. We honor God first and, and foremost. We honor him above all else. We honor him with our lives and worship and in prayer and financially. Like we just honor God and we prioritize who he is in our lives. And we, we honor one another. And I want to show my sons what it looks like to honor their mother. And I want to show my daughter what it feels like to be honored by her husband. And like we just have some values. But I don't want my kids just to be carbon copies of me as they grow up. I'm saying, hey, you can have whatever vision in life you want. You create whatever vision and reality it is that you want to chase based on who God's called you and created you to be. But if you have my values, then you can chase that vision. But we got to have those values instilled in us. And so it's my responsibility as a parent, as long as I have influence in my children, not just when they're at home, but as long as I have influence in my children's life, to make sure that those values are aligned with God's word. As long as you have those values right, you can have whatever vision for life that you want. And so, yeah, there's discipline, but I honor them and I respect them and I apologize to my kids. There are a ton of times that I've had to say to my kids, hey, listen, dad blew it back there. Like I was frustrated. I was short tempered. I was busy doing something and distracted and you came in, you needed five seconds. And I just, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And so I've got to come back and say, hey, I'm sorry. What, what can I help you with? I apologize. None of that is more important than you. It may not be that I could help you right then, but I needed to respond to you in a kinder way. I'm sorry. So I apologize. I say to them, hey, I value who you are. I respect you. Corey's so good at this. She says, I love you and I like you. I, I like who you're becoming. I want to spend time with you. And I show them that I value the time I have with them. That's, that's who we are. We honor our children. And then finally, we honor every person. We already read this from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, but it says this, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor all men, every person. Man, woman, boy, girl, honor every single person, no exceptions. You don't have to agree with them, but you do have to honor them. It's what we're called to do. It's who we're called to be to live differently in a culture where dishonor is so prevalent. And so how do we honor? How do we do that? Well, James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. We cannot honor God with our mouths 
and with the same mouth dishonor one of his children. We, we, we cannot curse the sons and daughters of God and with the same mouth bless God. It can't happen. It's not who we're called to be. Instead, we should find something about them that we can honor. Maybe it's an office they hold. Maybe it's an authority in my life that they possess. Maybe it's relationship. They're a son or daughter, husband or wife. They're a parent of some kind. Like it's just, there's a role that they play. There's a person that they are to me. And so I honor them for that. Maybe that's what it looks like. Or maybe if you can't find anything else, like you've tried, you've looked, you can't find anything else redeeming in them. There's no, you can't see anything that needs to be dignified. Then what you do is you look through all of that exterior stuff, all of the outer appearance, all the other stuff, and you see that on the inside of them is the image of God Almighty. That they were created in the image of God, male and female, he created them. And we honor that part of who they are. We honor that part that reflects the character, nature, personhood of Jesus Christ. Every person we come in contact with, every candidate we didn't vote for, every person that looks different, acts different, smells different, believes different than you and me, they deserve the dignity of honor. Because God formed them in their mother's womb, according to Psalm 139, the same way that he did you. God has a purpose and a destiny for their life. And could it be that the way that you interact with them and the way that I interact with them, that could be what God uses to illuminate his love and his grace toward them. We honor every single person. So here's a reflection question that perhaps we can use to filter some thoughts and actions this week. Who that I have been dishonoring can I honor this week? Who that I've been dishonoring can I honor this week? Maybe it was like a one-off. It was just like, you were just rude to the waitress. Doesn't make it right. But maybe it's not a pattern for you, but it was wrong. You dishonored. Go back and apologize. Go back today. Give her a big tip. Find a way to honor someone that you dishonored. It was the barista. It was the, the person that you know, cut you off in traffic. It's like, well, they shouldn't have done that. You're right. But how did we dishonor who they were? We can disagree. We can see bad behavior. We can look to correct those things that weren't right. But we can do so in a way that does not dishonor who they are as a human being. Or maybe it's more than a one-time thing. If you're honest with yourself and you search your heart, maybe you know there's a pattern of behavior where you dishonor a certain person or a certain group of people. There's somebody that lives in your house, a spouse, a child, a parent, a grandparent. There's a neighbor. There's a teacher. There's a coach. There's a coworker. There's a nationality. There's a political party. There's somebody or some somebodies that you have a pattern, that we have a pattern perhaps of dishonoring. How might God bring correction to our hearts and our lives this week to honor those people out of a heart to honor him? Who have I been dishonoring? that I can honor this week. I'm going to ask you right where you're at, just to bow your head, close your eyes just for a second, just a moment of reflection as you kind of think maybe who that person or those people are in your life. Who are those individuals? How well are you honoring your spouse, your children, your parents, your coworkers? How well are you honoring individuals on Facebook and Instagram and in posts and emails and 
not just face-to-face, how well are we honoring people? Maybe today you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I, I missed the mark in the very first one you said. I'm not honoring God with my life. I'm not in relationship with him. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I want to change that reality today. Every person who's ever entered into relationship with God came to the point you're at right now. Self-awareness enough to know that I am living my life apart from Jesus Christ. And if that's you today and you want to change that reality, I'm just going to invite you just to raise your hand. We want to pray for you. Nobody's looking around. You can put it down after that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much today. I want to pray for you. And now if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I just want to honor some folks. I've been dishonoring maybe to a specific individual or a group of people, and I want to do better, and I want to ask God to help me to honor some folks that I've been dishonoring to. If that's you, would you lift your hand? My hand's up. Thank you so much. A number of us today. God, I pray right now for every single person under the sound of my voice, those in the room, those watching online, those that may come back and watch it at some point in the near future, listen on the podcast, driving down the road or on the treadmill. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it cuts into our hearts and it confronts and convicts and challenges who we are and what we've been doing. And so God, right now I pray for every person that lifted their hands to say, I I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. We thank you for forgiveness and that you save sinners like me. And so God, we thank you for the work that you have done and are doing right now. And I pray that you'd help us as a church to walk beside them, that they would take a step and maybe go to the information center, drop that on that card so that we can follow up and help them to take some next steps. Because Lord, we believe this is about a journey and a process and a relationship. Help them to make you Lord of their life to lead and guide them. And God, I thank you for every person that lifted their hand to say, I want to honor some folks better. I've been dishonoring to a specific person or to a group of people. God, would you help us to honor them well? You created them. You love them. You sent your son Jesus to die for them. And so God, they deserve our honor. Even as we disagree, let us do it well without dishonoring. And let us represent you in the way that we honor every single person we come in contact with, beginning right now. And God, we thank you for all that you've done today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship together. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.